you would, please take out your Bibles. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are looking at verses 18 to 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. If you would join me in prayer, and we will read the word of the Lord. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Father, just as we sing Amazing Grace, I pray as we look at your word and the ministry, that your grace we stand in more awe of. Father, you have done exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever think or imagine. Father, you have done a miracle beyond miracles in saving us. Father, may we now draw to your word with a hearts wide open to hear your truth. Father, may from that, the true worshiping spirit that you have called us to would flow forth and the glory of Jesus Christ would be seen in each and every one of us until that day our faith becomes sight. Father, teach us now from your word through your spirit to comfort, to counsel, and to control us. To you, our King. Amen. Verse 18, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians. Now, all of these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I shared with you when we started into this book several years ago, that this book is basically ministry. You have to have 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in its whole is personal holiness. Once that is dealt with, on the individual level, then you are in ministry. Okay? If you are saved, you are in ministry. Okay? If you're not saved, you're not in ministry. It's, it's just that simple. And one of the things that I have watched over the decades that I have been serving the king, and one of the things that I have watched over the centuries of the church, is how, quote-unquote, ministry is corrupted. Okay? There's a lot of people will look at a church and they think that the guy with the suit and the tie behind the pulpit, that is the minister. Okay, Well, technically he is. <laughs> but he should be one of many. All right? Because it's like I said, if you're saved, you're in. Okay, So when, when you think about that, you have to say, well, what is ministry? Well... <laughs> I've been around long enough to know that you name it, it can be ministry. And if you don't believe me, look around. Okay. And yet the problem is, is that too many in the name of ministry are not fulfilling what the ministry is. 
And it's given to you in two verses. All right. Now, the Apostle Paul is coming out of a defense of his integrity, being that he is a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, a representative of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he, he had a little tougher time because he didn't have a New Testament to say, here, look. Okay. But he was serving the Lord and they attacked him all the time. He didn't care. But when you attack his his integrity, then now you have the ability to discredit his message and the deceivers will slide in. Please, brothers and sisters, do not think that there are no deceivers around. There may be more now than there has ever been in the history of the church. But when I look at this, this text right here, that's why I called this little section the ministry. Because I don't care what you're doing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if this ain't in it, it isn't ministry. You got that? If I am not reconciling fallen men to God, what are you doing? It doesn't say I have to feed the homeless or to shelter the homeless or feed the starving. It doesn't say that. I am here to reconcile sinful man to a holy God. That's why I'm here. That's why he says I'm, we are begging you in Christ. We are pleading on behalf of God. Be reconciled. Okay. Last week we broke into this text. And I dealt with three words. Okay, one is ministry. What is ministry? The root word for ministry is the word you and I get deacon from. Diakonos is a deacon. It's diakon. All right, which means, are you ready? A table waiter. Yay. But I thought there was more to ministry than just being a table waiter. No, that's it. That's what it means to minister. You're a table waiter. I bring the gospel of reconciliation and set it on the table of sinners. That's it. But if you're in the ministry, guess what you're doing? Same thing. Same thing. I remember a guy one time says, you preach the word and sometimes you use words. Isn't that what we do? Voltaire, the philosopher, said, I would be inclined to believe in your Redeemer if you could show me a redeemed life. Well, if you're doing what God has called you to, then you will show a redeemed life. But you have to have the Word. Okay, that was the other word that we had. Word, logos, logon. It means true and trustworthy. It's the word we get logic from. All right. But he makes a statement here that this word has committed to us as the New American Standard Translation. And it literally means it's been placed in us. Okay, because reconciliation to God is true. Reconciliation to God in the person of Jesus Christ is trustworthy. And if you know, I hear a lot of people today. I'm going to get in trouble. um, Tell me that they have a music Ministry. <laughs> I love music. Every time I broach this subject, I get into trouble. He hates music. They ask me, they says, can Baptists dance? And I was like, some can, some can't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've seen some that shouldn't. <laughs> but, but anyway. 
I love music. I grew up with music. I think music is one of the most precious things that has ever come out of the human race. Okay, now that I've got that cleared up. If I have a music ministry, if I do not have the word of God in it, reconciling fallen man to God, is it ministry? No, can't be. Because I, I had a discussion this week with a worship leader, okay, which I always thought was the pastor. But this guy plays a mean electric guitar, and that makes him the worship leader. And I broached this subject. And he says, well, I have to disagree with you. And I said, well, duh. <laughs> you get paid for what you're doing. I figured you did. Um, <laughs> I have such a charming personality. Um, he says, do you not understand that the largest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms? And those are songs to praise God. I said, then put it to music and quit writing the junk that's out there. I just really know how to entertain people. (laughs) When I think about the ministry, it is so narrow and so simple. And yet the egos of man, remember when we were in 1 Corinthians, what was their biggest problem? Egos. Okay, and it it corrupts ministry. Ministry is simple. The Great Commission is what? Go and make disciples of all peoples. It's not hard. The problem is we don't have no information. The average Christian, you know, how many wise men were there? It doesn't say. Okay, but most people say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, it wasn't. And I, you know, so when I meet with pastors now, we have this pastor's breakfast time and, and prayer time uh, weekly. And sometimes these guys go off and you hear me use my favorite phrase. Have you not read? Why? Because, dude, that ain't in there. You know, your heart, your passion can be there. But if you're not given the word, you're wasting time. You're wasting time. Because you have to have the word. And that made us ambassadors. It's a noble word. And it means that I am a spokesman for my government. Okay? I have no desires of my own. I have no thoughts of my own. I have no passions of my own. But only of him who sent me. That's a minister. The words I have are not my own. They are those of the one who sent me. I am not of this world. And some say, yeah, we know. (laughs) But I am not of this world. I am in a hostile environment speaking for my king. I speak on behalf of my king. I speak for my king. Period. That is a minister. If you're not doing that, you're not ministering. Paul was under assault. The major desire was to discredit. The attack on the ministers today 
is the same as it was of the Apostle Paul. If I cannot find false teaching in your doctrine, if I cannot find sin evident in your life, then I will attack you personally for your credibility. If I can discredit the teacher, I can discredit the teaching. Okay? We went through that in depth. He had defended his integrity because he was an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. A very noble position. His integrity would speak forth of his king. It's a reminder of the word of reconciliation. It is a reminder to all who would serve. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 20, he says, I am an ambassador in chains. And it literally, in the letter to the Ephesians, he was. He was chained 24 hours a day to a Roman soldier. Paul is telling us that the ministers of Jesus Christ come with the authority from the king. We represent the kingdom. We come with the truth of reconciliation that is directly given to us from heaven by the way of his written word. People, we plead, be reconciled to God, the God of existence. And you know what? God is still appealing this very day, and He's doing it the same way He's done it for all of history. It ain't through bells. It isn't through whistles. It isn't through gadgets or horses or motorcycles on the stage or funky music or great screens of cool pictures he does it through the foolishness of preaching and it hasn't changed in Romans chapter 10 he tells us in verse 13 whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved alright the name of the Lord is all that he is you understand that? How many of you here were raised that you get saved and he is your savior and you hang out for a while and then all of a sudden you'll go through some hard times and then you make him Lord? Do you understand that that's not biblical? If I am saved, he is Lord. You also have to understand this. He became savior 2000 years ago. Before that, what was he? Lord, you don't make him Lord. He is Lord. And if you call upon the name of Jesus, you're calling on all that he is. It isn't say, well, you know, you can't call him Lord unless you're saved. Really? You ever been on a construction site? They're all calling on Jesus. Okay. I don't think they're saved. Just an idea. Goes on there. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Hmm. How will they preach unless they are sent just as it is written How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. However, they did not heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? 
hasn't changed. It's always been the same. You do it through the proclamation of the word. You throw it out there. Just throw it out there. It doesn't say you're here to make converts. You are here to proclaim. Who? Everybody. If you're a minister, you proclaim. I don't care who you are. What we do as ministers, we are ambassadors for the ministry of reconciliation. We serve reconciliation to sinners. We preach the word of reconciliation for the eternal king. Do you understand that is the core of Christianity? It's right there. It is that simple. And yet I know people say, well, you know, I'm going to go learn how to share the gospel. I'm going to take a class. What? Perhaps you just need to get saved. I I don't understand this. It drives me batty. This isn't that complicated. I've seen us. We can't handle complicated. So God says, I will make this as simple as possible. And we sit there and go, well, we'll complicate it. And God says, you don't have to. You don't have to. So, what is this? How does this reconciliation happen? How does it, how is it possible? Okay, how is it attained? And it moves into one of my greatest focuses in life, theology. Paul gives us what I call the miracle of reconciliation. I know a lot of people today who are running around chasing miracles. And I keep thinking, do you not appreciate the fact that you have been saved? I cannot think in my life, in the history of humanity, any greater miracle ever than the fact that a blind, naked, wicked, evil sinner can be reconciled, can go from being an enemy to a holy, righteous God to being his friend. I cannot think of a miracle greater than that. Every time I think about it, I just say, what? How can sinners be reconciled to God? How can blind, naked, depraved? The word depraved is one of my favorite words. In the original language, it literally means found useless for its intended purpose. (laughs) Makes you feel good, doesn't it? (laughs) Just look at me. I'm useless for my intended purpose. Don't chase that any farther than that. (laughs) How can a depraved individual be reconciled to a pure, righteous, sinless, holy God? How does that take place? How is that possible? Well, I thought you'd never ask. Go back to your text there in 2 Corinthians. Verse 18 says, Now all these things are from God. The will of God is all of these things. Okay, well, what are all of these things? It goes back to verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And, verse 15, and he died for all, so that they might live no longer live for themselves. But he died, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. 
Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all of these things are from God, are from God. All who have put their faith in the fact that Christ died on their behalf, he died in him. We who believe this have died in him so that we can walk in the newness of life, which is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And we no longer live for ourselves. That stands out like a sore thumb in our society, people. That is easy to spot. Dying with Christ, raised with Christ in the newness of life, Paul told the Romans. We are a new creature. All things have come. It is a tremendous, miraculous transformation that produces reconciliation, which is from God. Now, all these things, that's what is being referred to. This new creature, this is from God. I, I hear it called all kinds of things. Uh, regeneration. Uh, they call it conversion, salvation, transformation. All of that comes from God. Everything that is in the new nature. Okay. What that means to me in the scriptures is that the death, the burial, and the resurrection, all of those realities that converted us has transformed us. These all happen and they are from God. Listen, I'm going to try to be as gentle as I can, but it's not my gift. Sinners cannot decide to be reconciled to God. You will never find that in holy writ. It ain't in there. Okay? A sinner cannot effect reconciliation. It comes from God. Who effects it? God does. Sinners have no power to satisfy God's anger at any time. Impossible. There's no way to satisfy God's holy justice and standard of righteousness. Can't do it. Can't do it. The Old Testament. You know, I, I watch people who believe that if they do these ceremonies and they slaughter these animals and I have this sacrifice. And if I do this Sabbath and I keep this and all the rest of it, then God will be pleased for me. It's impossible. It's impossible. Nowhere in scripture does it say keep the sacrificial law and you'll be saved. It ain't in there. It was to show you you needed to be that's what it was given to you for. And I watch people who are trying to do it. You know, uh, when we serve the Lord's table, you're always supposed to face the cross. Never turn your back on the cross serving the Lord's table. And you and all the people have to face the cross at the same time. And I'm sitting there going, where's that at? Well, it's just honorable. And I said, so you're hanging on to the pictures and the shadows instead of the, the reality. We have no... Do you understand that a person without the indwelling of Christ 
has absolutely no power over sin. Did you know that? You know, I've had people in, in my ministry who have accused me of some, of some really nasty things at times. And, it, and I'd like to tell you I don't take it personal, but I'd be lying. Okay? And I, I remember somebody one time looked me in the face and they says, You don't understand, Terry. You have a serious character flaw. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> really? <laughs> but after listening, the comment was made, you don't understand that by his stripes, I was healed, but he had to die for you. All right? You said and go, I about fell out of my chair. Really? I looked him straight in the eye and I said, the only difference between you and me is that everything you thought about, I just went ahead and did it. But you thought about it. They don't attend this church anymore. But you see what I'm trying to get at? We, we judge it, don't we? Well, I didn't do it. I thought about it, but I didn't do it. Because you know what? When the thought cruises through, Jesus said, you're guilty of it. You're already guilty of it. So how well are you at overcoming your sin? We like to help other people overcome theirs. But how well do you do yours? When you go back to 1 Corinthians, what is it doing? Overcome your sin. Put it aside. It is not an urgency. Listen, Sinful man cannot change anything and they can never do it on their own. They are offenders who have broken God's law and they have stepped into an eternal separated banishment from God. And that's where they exist right now. If they die without reconciliation, they step into an eternal separation from God for eternity. That is a reason for you and I to plead them, be reconciled. They are no longer in God's presence. Remember when Adam had the little problem with the fruit? Okay, and he says, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Okay, he ate of the fruit, and guess what? He surely died. You know why? He was immediately spiritually separated from his creator. He thought he could hide from him. That's spiritual deadness. He was spiritually dead as soon as he ate of the fruit. The physical death is the one we, well, he took him several hundred years later. Well, he still died. You know, and people say, well, how does come you believe the Bible? Well, let me ask you a question. My Bible says it is given unto man to die once. You know anybody who hasn't? Seems true to me. God so loved sinners that he made a way to reconcile them and to make the, make them who were once enemies back to be his friends. And he, it's amazing. He did it without violating his justice. That's amazing to me when you think about it. 
How can you do that? How could you go reconcile yourself to God without violating God's justice? Tell me. I've decided that I will. You can't. Can't do it. All of the religions that you have ever seen or heard of on the planet Earth, except for Christianity, somehow are based that man can find a way to please God. That I've, I had a friend of mine, it's been years and years and years and years ago, who was in a horrific accident. It was her fault. And it took lives. Okay, and, and I don't I don't want to get into all the details. It was it was it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And they sentenced her to sixty some odd years in penitentiary. Okay, and so I was still in contact with her. And she says, Well, it's not she says, I understand the heartache that is out there and the sorrow of that family, but you know what? I have made peace with God. I said, that ain't the issue. The issue is, has God made peace with you? That's the issue. It isn't you making peace with God. He could really care less. All of the false religions are trying to turn God's anger and appease him and it is absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible. Because this text says, all these things are from God. God initiates those he wants reconciled to himself. He is the object of the reconciliation. Because God provides the reconciliation. It is what theologians call divine provision. See, God's judgment against man was satisfied by the sacrifice of his son. Okay? Um, I always look at it this way. When I look at a cross, I think about the cross, you know, the Easter Sunday, whatever you want to think about. Uh, whenever I think about those things, I think of this. Hostility removed. God is not hostile. I see people in the church today who are trying their best to try to keep God appeased. They think he's some ogre somewhere just wanting to make your life miserable. And the truth of the matter is he has reconciled you into him so that you are now a joint heir with Christ. You are now his friend. You were an enemy. You're now his friend. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. See, God provided it. God accomplished it. All we do is receive it. 
It's offered as a free gift. That's why we sing amazing grace. That is why it is grace. I've heard people say, well, we need fair. I don't want fair. I want grace. If you want fair, knock yourself out. Please understand, it is not achieved by us, reconciliation. It is accepted by us. It is a gift. We can accept it or we can reject it. In uh, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all of the fullness to dwell in Him. And then he says this, and through him, okay, all the fullness of God in Jesus Christ, okay, and through him to, now get this, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. We're reconciled by the blood of the cross because the fullness of God was in the person of Jesus Christ and that's how we were reconciled. Who did it? God did it. You know, if you go look at the book of Acts, you want to get really freaked out? I'll let you go look it up. Homework assignment. When you grew up and you think about the crucifixion of Christ, The word always comes up. The question always pops up. Who killed Christ? And it's forever and ever. People said, well, it was the Gentiles and the Jews. So it was humanity killed Christ. The Bible says God killed him. God killed his son. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Why? Because he had to reconcile man to him. He could not judge on a curve. Or he's no longer just. His standard is only right. So I have to maintain my standard. I have to maintain my justice. Therefore, the penalty of sin is death. There's the sacrifice. My holy lamb. And I will offer it up on behalf of those who do not deserve it. It was his good pleasure. God, by his own will, by his own design, uses his son as a means to reconcile sinners to himself. And he did it by pouring out his son's life. Did it by pouring out his son's life. I want you to think about that for a second. You got a son? I have a son. I have two sons. Would I give... The death of my son for humanity. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's that sinful nature again. You, You see what I'm trying to get at? He gave his son to reconcile those that he draws. The word reconcile means to change or to exchange. Okay, so it's just changing the position. You're an enemy to God. Now you are a friend to God. You were evil, vile, depraved person. Now you're a holy, pure, righteous person. Man 
never makes reconciliation. It is not what man does. It is what he receives. The gift is there. It's not what we accomplish. It is what we embrace. You know, um, I hear people trying to argue. It says, well, it's accomplished when we decide to stop rejecting God. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. It is something God accomplishes when God decides to stop rejecting us. You understand that? We have this perspective of looking at it from here and it's not true. And we, we sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. Really? I couldn't do it. I remember in, some of you guys know my past, uh, I was in pharmaceuticals. Okay? And I mean, I was in large pharmaceuticals. And I used to carry a Bible around with me like a rabbit's foot. I never opened it. I never looked at it. But it was like my good luck charm. That's silly. God is willing and God is able to remove our transgression. Do you know He can remove your transgression as far as the east is from the west? Did you know that He can bury it in the deepest sea? Did you know that God remembers them no more? And what are you going to do to accomplish that? God has found a way of reconciliation. This is his grand plan of salvation. It is due to God himself that it is there. Reconciliation in the New Testament. God is always the subject of the reconciliating act. I know some today who believe that God is reluctant and that Jesus is pleading. He's always up there pleading our case. No, he ain't. It's already done. It is finished. God effects reconciliation. And it is through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we should act charismatic on that. Woohoo! I mean, I don't even have a word for that. Um, I'll give you this one. I learned it a long time ago. Phantasmagorical. That should rock your universe. I don't have to ask God for another thing if He doesn't give me anything. Dude, I'm His friend. Whoa! We all say, well, that's all right. I, he remembers my sin no more. Uh, uh, I used to have like a, a bunch of them. <laughs> I had my PhD in sin. And it's all achieved at Christ's expense. The only sacrifice that could satisfy God. It's the only mediator. 
You know, you'll have people that say, well, pastor, will you pray for me? I'd pray to Jesus if I was you. Why? He's the mediator. I ain't. It's the only way of salvation. There's no other way. There's no other name under heaven which man can be saved. That's the only way that the justice of God is satisfied. Without Christ's sacrifice, it's useless. That's why I celebrate Christmas, or not Christmas, Easter more than Christmas. Oh, yes, I know he had to be born. But I tell you what, if he don't get out of the grave, he's just another dead man. Well, he was innocent. Oh, I don't, I have never met anybody in prison who wasn't innocent. Guess I probably shouldn't have said that, should I? (laughs) Jesus Christ died to satisfy the justice of God. He bore our, the punishment that was due humanity. His justice satisfied. Now, you've got to understand this. This is this theology thing that I get all creeped out on. You have to have justice satisfied first. Then comes reconciliation. Okay? If the justice isn't satisfied, you can't have reconciliation. Then when you have the reconciliation, that brings transformation, which is verses 14 through 17. All comes from God. The source of the reconciliation. It's clear in the New Testament. That's why we all stand up and smile real big and sing Amazing Grace. But I don't think the word amazing is big enough. But phantasmagorical grace just doesn't flow. It is God who calls us. It is God who saves us. It is God who sent His Son. It is God who loved us first. First Corinthians chapter eight, verse six. For us, there is but one God, the Father, whom are all things, and we exist for him and the one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and we exist through him. That's really straightforward if you think about it. It's God and Jesus and all things exist because of God and Jesus. All things happen because of God and Jesus because they are all things. James said it this way, every good and perfect gift comes from God. You know, and I, I watch people who are trying to get God off their backs by effort and works and religion and all the rest of it. And I keep thinking, do you not understand? It's all taken care of as far as the east is from the west. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12. For as the woman originates from man... So also the man has his birth through the woman and all things originate from God. You ever thought of that? That's a concept. You ever thought about that? God has removed the barriers and made available reconciliation to all 
that He calls on. All we do is receive it. We just receive it. We, you, we, you don't do it. You just embrace it. You don't accomplish it. You receive it. He is the author. He is the source. He is the power that is behind reconciliation. And then if you follow it on out, you'll find out that he is the one who transformed. He is the one who pours the glory of the risen God into the hearts of sinful man. Apart from that, in any way, there is no way for man to be reconciled. Which brings us to verse 19. Reconciliation is forgiveness. Why? Because it is God in Christ. And we'll look at that next week. Father, to your glory and praise we come. And Father, as I even stand this day, I stand in amazement of reconciliation. That Father, we were loved first. And you saved us. Father, I don't understand that. And and yet, Father, I, I am so overwhelmed with the privilege of being a Christian. Father, I pray for these people. Father, I pray that as they move through this, as we all move through this life, however, however long, that, Father, our reconciliation, our salvation will be the single most important and most precious thing to us. Second to nothing. And that, Father, we who are called by your names, empowered for your purpose, would glorify our risen Lord by fulfilling your ministry, the message of reconciliation. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege of worshiping in spirit and in truth. May we never take each one for granted. And Father, may we run in a manner that brings honor and glory to the King of kings and Lord of lords. May we understand that they will look at the ambassador as the representative. And may we not shame you. Help us, Father, to walk worthy. To your praise and glory. Amen.